Hi, everybody. Welcome. It's time for Atomic Radio Hour, the post-nuclear podcast. I'm your host, Vince. How are you? You look fantastic. Hope you guys are doing well. Today's episode is brought to you by the Gulman Entertainment Patreon. Uh, we do have someone who is here in the live studio audience, Captain Lennox. Thank you for joining us tonight, Captain Lennox. Um, before I get into anything, we have to have a moment of silence for Matthew Perry. The game was rigged from the start. Matthew Perry dead at age 54. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that there has been a joke that I don't like Matthew Perry. And it's a joke. (laughs) It used to be a censored word in the Discord. It used to be a censored word on the show here. Um, Now that he's passed, I don't feel like it's right to continue to have a a false hatred of a man who died. Uh, He voiced Benny, New Vegas Benny, Benny Gecko, which I don't think is canonically his last name, but I don't think it's not canonically his last name. Anyway, Matthew Perry, who voiced Benny in Fallout New Vegas, has passed away. Uh, the Cliff Notes version of the story is that I went to the midnight release of Fallout 4, and when they asked who the voice actor for Benny was, I didn't know it, but I knew every single other question. Like, I was correcting the guy um, who was answering the, who was asking the trivia stuff, and... It was just a joke that I didn't like Matthew Perry. I used to tweet at Matthew Perry on my old account. You know what you did once a year. And now he's gone. Uh, I don't really feel like it's right of me to say what I think happened or didn't happen. But I, I don't think the man was healthy when he went. Let's just say that. But he's one of my favorite characters in New Vegas. I like the way he talks. I like the way he is portrayed as like this old Rat Pack era guy and he's just a part of our collective conscious uh, as Fallout fans and we're going I'm going to Fallout New Vegas day in a couple weeks here actually the, the week after uh, this goes live you will I'll be there if you're there come say hey uh, but there's probably going to be some sort of a memorial for him I can't imagine there wouldn't be I can't imagine that there's not going to be somebody dressed up like Benny and it's just nice that like the community will come around and, and honor a man whose voice we, we've heard a billion times. I even said, uh, I even tweeted when I first heard about it. I was like, I can't believe he's gone. I'm going to go watch him shoot me in the head twice for old time's sake. So once again, rest in peace to Matthew Perry. So <clears throat> on a more fun note, I don't know if you guys uh, keep up with any other Fallout YouTuber people, Fallout content creators. TKS Mantis did a interview with Tim Kaine, the the godfather, one of the creative minds behind the original Fallout from all the way back in the 90s. And he said something that I thought was super interesting because there's been a debate for a long time within the community, the Fallout community, saying like, oh, I think the U.S. shot the first nukes. I think China shot the first nukes. I think Vault-Tec shot a nuke just so both sides would go nuts and then they could use the vaults. And Tim Kaine pretty much confirms in his interview with Mantis that China found out about FEV and it's a war crime to make biochemical weapons and they shot the first nuke. And Mantis is kind of like, oh? And Tim's like, uh, if people didn't know that, then that didn't happen. I'm going to link in the description below will be a link, if you haven't already seen it, will be a link to the the, the interview in, in full. It's towards the back end of the interview. I thought it was really, really interesting because I think so much of the Fallout Bible or the Fallout universe, the lore, is kind of split up into we don't know what is and is not canon 
why are these people here? Why are they over there? Why is this faction in this area? Why are these characters, these creatures here where they were there? And does it make sense canonically? And just to get like this little bit of lore, because I was always under the impression that it was Voltec, just because I think that's the more fun one. Uh, very much Occam's Razor of China Shoots First. But I thought it was neat that 26 years later, we kind of have this answer. And maybe the answer was never supposed to be told. Maybe, like, it seems like it was a slip of the tongue. Tim King kind of goes, oh, and, like, walks it back. And he's like, if you guys didn't know that, then it's uh, it's not true. <laughs> like, one of those type beats. So maybe it's it, it, maybe it was just his idea. Maybe it's not a totally canonical thing. But if I was working at Bethesda as a writer, I would write that down somewhere. I would keep that somewhere in the back of my brain space because it it works if if china found out about fev then why would they not be upset it's some law that you can't have biological weapons you can't have uh you can't attack churches like there's things like that for every war that like you can't do these things like you can do these you can't do those and it's only really a war crime if you get caught in the u.s in the fall universe got caught and look what happened because of it let me know what you think in the comments below. Who do you think shot first? Do you think that Tim Kaine saying that is like the be all end all? Do you think that that's it? Like it's just, oh, okay, it's over. That's who did it. Or do you think it's still up for some sort of interpretation? Where do you think Bethesda is going to take it in the future? I'd love to hear from you. So this week's lore is something rather interesting that I'd like to talk about quite a bit. But before I do that, I have to thank some people. I have to thank the Patreon. Now, like I said at the top of the program, we do have Captain Lennox with us tonight. Hello, Captain Lennox. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to be a part of the show, if you'd like to be a part of the making of these episodes, if you'd like to see them get recorded live on a Wednesday and not have to wait until Saturday, at some point on a Saturday, to see these episodes Consider checking out the Patreon. We have a bunch of different tiers, but at the $10 tier, there is the Film Live Before a Studio Audience tier. You could change your tier at any point in time from the $1 to the $10, but the $10 gets you the ability to watch these episodes get filmed live at about 8.45, 9-ish, Mountain Standard Time. So I have to thank some people who have been supporting me through the Gulman Entertainment Patreon. There is a link below if you're interested. Starting from the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. After Marcus, I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you to Mellow Millhouse. And last but certainly not least, the man who is in the audience tonight as I film this live, Captain Lennox. Thank you to Captain Lennox. Like I said, there's a link below if you'd like to check out the Patreon and support the show so you get a little bit bigger and a little bit better. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting. I love you very, very much. So like I said, if you're a part of the Patreon, once a week I ask a question in a poll and your voice gets to be heard for what the lore of the week will be. So I went to Patreon and I, and I admit this week I did it late again. I've been just, I got, I'm all over the place trying to get everything in order and make sure I have everything I need for this nice long trip to Vegas for fall at New Vegas day. And I did it last minute, I admit. And I thought of two people, I, funnily enough, they were both ghouls. I didn't do this on purpose, even though you know my affinity for ghouls. Um, it was between Kent Connolly from Fallout 4 and Azrakal from Fallout 3. Two people that I think are same si different sides of the same coin when it comes to ghouls in the Fallout universe. One of them sees how evil man was, could have been, 
and goes with that and becomes prosperous in the long run. And another one sees the joy in mankind and what the world has to offer and tries to use that and doesn't try to push that down, push that away, wants to bring out humanity's side of humanity. So if you'd like to hear any lore, and I mean any lore whatsoever, consider checking out the Patreon. Because even at the $1 tier, your voice is heard weekly when I ask a poll, and you, yes you, get your voice heard in choosing this week's lore. This week's lore comes to us by way of Patreon on Azrakal from Fallout 3. Azrakal is a ghoul bartender, owner and operator of the Ninth Circle Bar in Underworld which is located inside of the Capital Wasteland. He might be 200 plus years old, he might not be. There was nothing saying that he was or wasn't. Either way, he was someone who was vastly irradiated to the point of becoming a ghoul. Usually, I assume, unless you're Moira Brown, if they're a ghoul, they're 200 years old. He is the shiftiest of shifty businessmen. He's the kind of guy who keeps his ear to the ground at all times for all different things. He knows about things that are happening outside of Underworld, even though he's a ghoul. So for the uninitiated, Underworld is a ghoul sanctuary. It's Fall 3's necropolis, more or less, if you will. It's a city where ghouls can come and go, they can trade, they have a safe haven right there in the mall of DC, right? In the middle of DC, it's a safe spot where they can sit down, they can relax, they can have a drink, they can do some chems, they can have refuge from the outside world where everyone is being bigoted towards them. Underworld is one spot where they don't have to worry about that. Now, he's a ghoul, like I said, but he's one of the worst in my opinions because, because he is a slave owner as well. And his slave is a ghoul. It's always your own kind. It's always your own people. It's always the ones that you should be able to be safe around that come and get you. He, he talks to Sharon, his employee, as he refers to him nicely, but he's a slave. He knows, he knows he's taking advantage of him. He refers to him as uh, an abomination. He has complete ownership over him. He uses him as a tool. He uses him as labor. He's not a person to, as recall, Sharon is a tool. Sharon is the big ghoul in the corner with the shotgun who is ready to defend the man who owns him because he has to. Now, if you do the quest that I'm going to talk a little bit about in a second, loosely, if you do the quest and Sharon gains his freedom and becomes your traveling companion, then he takes his revenge on Azrakal, and nobody bats an eye at it. He walks up to him, shoots him dead, and walks away, and everyone's just kind of cool. That's how evil he is. He's actually one of nine characters in all of Fallout 3 that have very evil karma. And like I said with Sharon, if you wanted to gain him as your traveling companion, the Lone Wanderer can say, can we work out some sort of a deal? And I apologize in advance, but I'm going to be doing a ghoul voice. Azrakal will reply with, I suppose we could, we could do that. Although, you might not like the deal that I have to offer. You see, I don't like competition. Not at all. It goes against every principle that I have as a businessman. So the fact that there's another source of booze in town troubles me. Greta, the waitress over at Carol's. I want you to kill her. I don't care how. Just make it quiet. Do it, and you can have Sharon's contract. All of this, this is a man who is willing to get rid of his tool. One of the things that he says is his most important thing and his most important tools in making more money because people see the big guy with the shotgun in the corner, they don't mess around. He's willing to get rid of this in the pursuit of making even more money and it's all wrapped up in this 
Uncle Azrakal. He refers to himself as Uncle Azrakal, but it's like built up in this like phony, just fake, just gross persona that he's created for himself as a way to like lure people in because the closer they get to him, the more comfortable they get, they get to him. That's when he can really turn them into his mark and he can get one up over them and he can run them for all their, their money in their pockets. He's like greed personified. I was having a conversation at work with someone recently and they were saying that like every vice has a point where it hits an end. If you're into alcohol, you drink so much alcohol to the point where you're drunk. You feel okay. If you do a certain type of narcotic, you hit a point where you're high and you continually chase the high, but there's a point where it stops for a moment. Greed is one of those vices that never truly, truly goes away. It's a vice that I got the next $100, I got the next $1,000, I got the next $10,000, the next $100,000, the next $200,000, the next half a million dollars, the next million dollars. Nothing, it doesn't do anything. It, it, you, you feel empty every step of the way. You think the more I get, the more happy I get, but it just doesn't happen. Greed truly is the, the, the deadliest of the seven sins because it's, it's, a, it's a pig that just eats and eats and eats and doesn't ever at any point get full. It's like that weird to wrap this into the Simpsons, but it's almost like that treehouse of horror where Homer's in hell and they feed him donuts and he's just like, keep them coming. One of the perks of being a bartender is that people are going to divulge their secrets to you. You are going to meet interesting people because of you being a bartender. They're going to come there down on their luck. They're going to just sad and tired with a bottle in hand that's going to keep them warm and keep them just a little optimistic. They talk to a bartender. A bartender in America, at least, is much like is much like a priest for a lot of people. It's someone you could come to and just confess all of your sins to. And the only reason he doesn't go around telling people about this is because he knows it would hurt his profits. It's the only reason why he doesn't spread any stories. He understands that if he went around doing that, people wouldn't come to him. But if he, if, if it wasn't for that, he would be telling tall tales all over town. I actually have a quote from him here. It says, if I start telling tales about my customers, I would lose all of them. He doesn't care if they're doing well. He likes hearing that they're miserable because if they're miserable, they'll drink more. He's such a greedy piece of garbage that the Stradivarius uh, violin that you can get for Agatha to complete her quest line, you could try to sell it to him. And when you do, he'll offer you 200 caps and he'll only give you 200 caps begrudgingly. He doesn't want to give you those 200 caps. He thinks that what you have is, is pointless. He thinks it is of zero value. He doesn't want it for its historical significance. He wants it because he thinks it would bring more people into the bar because it's the only one left in existence. And then the Lone Wanderer will sell it to him for 300 caps, if, if you take that up. When the Lone Wanderer offers him 300 caps, Azrakal will say, well, it would bring in more people here if I had it on display, I suppose. All right. You got it, 300 caps. Something I want to point out about Azrakal as well is that he's just hes just a slime ball. Like, I, I hope I'm getting that across. That this is a man who would sell out his own mother for a piece of cheese, and this dude's lactose intolerant. Per page 59 of the Fallout 3 official guide, and this is a paraphrasing, in Azrakal's narrow view of the world, the more miserable you are, the more you drink, and the more you drink, the more money ends up in his pockets. I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukapedia, if you will. 
And I like that they have these quotes from the official guidebook, because as far as I'm concerned, it, most of it's canon. A lot of people don't consider the guidebook to be canon. I, on the other hand, I do. I think if it's in there, why not? It's the official guidebook. Underworld has no formal law enforcement, and hard drug use is frowned upon inside of Underworld. He doesn't advertise that he's selling drugs, but he always keeps his stash stocked. If you ask Azrakal about why he's hiding the sale of, of hard chems, he'll say, while there's no law in Underworld per se, I'd rather not end up on the receiving end of the lynch mob. There's no shortage of do-gooders around here, and it would be just like them to take it upon themselves to interfere in a fair business transaction. Honestly, I have something to sell, and you want to buy it. Now, how is that anyone else's business, hmm? This is a big reason why he doesn't flat go kill Greta over at Carol's. He feels like if he is continuing to sell heavy, hard chems and also takes out the rival business, then he will be taken out. He'll either be uh, extradited from the town, kicked out from the town, or he'll be murdered on the spot. To him, a drug addiction is just another, uh, just another means to line his pockets with other people's caps. Just to prove how much of a piece of garbage he is, he's friends with Dukov. He's friends with a man who is, is, is holed up in like a mansion, in like a penthouse, in the middle of D.C., in, in raider-infested land, and the only reason why he has any sort of company is because he has some ladies of the night with him that are just... There because of the protection, but he keeps them liquored up at all times. These are not women that want to be with him. These are women that go, well, he's here, and I'm safe, and he has food, and he has liquor. Also, Dukov is not a ghoul bigot because Azrakal and him are buddies. Azrakal actually does not tolerate any sort of ghoul bigotry. If you say anything to him bit bigoted, he threatens to have Sharon kill you because he will not tolerate any sort of ghoul bigotry. One of the weird interactions you can actually have with Azrakal if you're in the Ninth Circle is if you turn off his radio, he'll yell at you and just turn it back on. Which is just cool. It doesn't need to happen, but it's there. He's unique in, in a multitude of ways, one of them being that he has blue stubble, which could just be a glitch, but also Mr. Crowley, who gives you the you-gotta-shoot-him-in-the-head quest, he also has a blue stubble. He has a unique voice that no other male ghoul has. It's more gravelly and deep and is somewhat more refined, both in accent and in dictation. He also makes a wheezing, gasping noise occasionally when pausing in between sentences. I love characters like this. Uh, he's a very Ron Goulman-esque character. It's a big reason why I wanted to do that voice because I haven't, if, if I haven't been able to play D&D, Fallout D&D in a while, I want to do it. Uh, He's a character that I just, I like the idea of it. I think Ron's a little better because I think Ron's very much like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it for myself, but it's also going to benefit others. This is a guy who wants things for himself and himself only. And I understand that to an extent in the wasteland because it's, I have to look out for me, but there comes a point where you have a community, my man. You have a group of people around you that are like-minded, that look like you, and you should be taking care of them. And he's not. He's a very interesting character, and I hope you've enjoyed it, because that is this week's lore. 
Hey gang, welcome to segment three. Question for you, you like video games? Follow-up question, do you like uh, movies? Do you think that there is room for video game movies in the world we live in? Video games are the most profitable form of entertainment ever devised. And now Hollywood wants a taste. So I saw the Mario movie, it's fine. I saw the uh, Sonic movie, it's fine. Did not see really any other video game movies until recently, this past weekend, I went and saw the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. And I'll be completely honest with you, I did not grow up with Five Nights at Freddy's. I was just too old for it when it came out. I watched YouTubers play it because it was big. And YouTubers that I liked that were playing stuff were playing Five Nights at Freddy's. So I thought, ah, you know, I'll give it a watch. Like, it's a big game. I don't like Zelda, but the new Zelda comes out. If I'm not going to play it, I'm at least going to watch a little bit of it because I'm curious, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hobby of mine in video games. A passion, if you will. And I go to see this movie, and it's fine. It's not scary, but I don't think the games are. I don't think jump scares are very scary. But, like... The animatronics, let me just let me just gush about the animatronics. I grew up as a Chuck E. Cheese kid, and I love animatronics. I love puppets. I love just I don't know what it is about it. It's just something fun, man. It's just like the the whole like I know if you're if you're listening and not watching, you can't seem to like sway and move and jerk, but like there's just a charm to it. Like the fact that the only place in, in the world that you can even still see animatronics is some Chuck E. Cheese's and Disney. And Disney has like 6,000 different animatronics in it. I really like animatronics. I don't know why. Ever since I was a kid, I liked it. And the animatronics in this movie are so good. And they're done by Jim Henson's company, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I guess his kid runs it, I think, if I remember correctly. Which is cool that, like, we still have something like that. But it's... They're, they're like, too realistic. Like, there's a scene where they lift tables, and I wouldn't be surprised if the animatronics themselves are actually lifting the tables. That's how realistic these things look. Like, they spin, and, like, you can tell when it's CG, and I don't really care because it's supposed to be, like, a kid's movie. But, like, that's my favorite part about it is that when I went to go see it, there were kids there. Like, there was a kid wearing a mask... And there was a kid with like a, like kids had t-shirts on and kids had hoodies on and like kids had a hat, like hats on and like, like I said, masks and like, it's, it's right in time for Halloween. It, it was just super, super nice to see kids be kids. Like I remember when I was probably the, the age of the kids there and the Simpsons movie came out, I remember being so excited for the Simpsons movie and I took my friends to go see it. Like, it was an event. Like, I got three or four of my friends in the car. We went and, and, and went to the movie. We watched. Like, it was a big deal. So I saw when I was there, there was a kid who got into the theater with his family a little bit beforehand. And he was so excited. He saw the poster and he's jumping up and down and bouncing going, there's the poster. There's the poster. There's the poster. And... Just to see, like, a little kid get excited about a movie. One, I just think, is super rare. Like, I don't think kids get excited about movies anymore. But it was nice to see him to the point where I saw where the kid sat down, and, like, halfway through the movie, he went, when is this over? Like, he was just scared. You, did you, Cap, Captain Lennox and Chad, you saw it. You liked the way the animatronics were. I, I loved it. I could have watched. I wish that they were on screen more. Like, I can't sit there and say, like, oh, you know, like, I love this one. I love that one. They're all my favorite characters. I went with someone who's a little younger than me who grew up with the games. Um, 
only, they're only a few years younger than me, but they grew up with them. They grew up with all the YouTubers that were playing them and everything. So they like knew the lore and like explained the lore to me. And like, we watched like a video. I, I like, I unironically like watched MatPat videos for this, which I haven't seen in a long time. I haven't watched them in years, but just to see kids be kids is super nice. It was super nice. Like to the next, to the point where the next day there was a store right next to my movie theater that I had to run into. And the store I was in didn't have a bathroom because of course they don't. And I go over to the theater because it's quite literally next door and I run in and I'm just like, hey, um, I'm going to use the restroom and get some popcorn because if I'm in the theater, I'm going to get some popcorn. It's delicious. So I use the restroom, come back out, go to grab my popcorn and there's just kids that are there and they're like jumping up and down and they're all excited and they're like, they're like, like saying memes, which I always thought was weird because... I feel like when I was a kid, if you said memes, you were like made fun of, but like they were so excited to be there and be part of it. And like, it's not an awful movie. It's not scary by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a video game movie and it's fine. It could have been about 20 minutes shorter, but I thought it was a good movie. Captain Lennox in chat is saying that he loved the performance of the actors. Having such nostalgia around it, it just fit. It just worked. And I agree. Like the kid from the Hunger Games is fine. I, what I was more confused about is his sister. Why is his sister, like how far apart in age? Cause my brother and I are far apart in age, but like how far apart are they in age that she's like going to maybe, maybe middle school and he has custody of her. Like, is it 15 years? And then it's like super implied that they had her like almost because of a tragedy. I won't spoil anything, but like it was just a, a few more things I would have liked expressed. Yeah, and if you're, like Cap just said, that he was young enough when the first few games came out, if you were young enough when the first few games came out to the point where you just have an idea of who these characters were, don't get me wrong, I would like I used to meme on this game all the time because to me it was like, the, the only connection I had was Markiplier going, Was that the bite of 87? And MatPat making 400 videos a week about FNAF theory, and it just kind of seemed like he was just doing it to make money. But like, this, this was a great... It was a great little romp. I think I gave it like three stars on my letterbox. If you're looking for a fun movie to sit down and watch, again, could have been about 20 minutes shorter. But if you're looking for a fun movie to sit down and watch with your friend, maybe on a date, just something casual. If you're not looking for anything crazy, but you like animatronics and puppets like I do, I'd say go check it out. It's a halfway decent movie. Captain Lennox even just pointed out in the chat that it's a PG-13 film so kids can go see it. And yeah, there's like a couple scenes where maybe blood could have been could have been used as something in it, but like it doesn't matter because it's a movie for the kids. The kids went to go see it. And that's its entire audience. What are you going to do? Make an R-rated Five Nights at Freddy's movie and then there's just going to be adults that are like, "Okay, I guess." Like check it out. If you get the chance, check it out. Thank you for checking out this week's episode. My name has been Vince. If you like the intro music, it's by the one and only Shane Ivers. There's a link to his music in the description below where you can get all of his free music at silvermansounds.com slash free music. But my song is called Feather Duster that I use, and you can find that there. If you'd like to be part of the live studio audience like Captain Lennox, who got to engage in a ton of discourse in the third segment of today's program, Consider checking out the Patreon at the $10 tier, the Film Live for a studio audience tier. You become the studio audience, but your voice is always heard even at the $1 tier. 
around these parts. Uh, that's There's a link for that in the description below. There is a link down there as well to the Redbubble. Check that out if you get a chance uh, to support the show in another monetary way, a smaller monetary way. You can also follow me on Twitter, follow the show on Twitter, and file, follow Kyle on Twitter. That's about everything. I love you. You can get us anywhere. You can get a podcast. I will be seeing you next week. After this episode, I, I, not to spoil anything, next week's episode will be a burner. So it'll be a pre-recorded thing. Uh, there will not be a live studio for that one because I will be in Vegas for Fallout New Vegas Day. Hopefully, if I do everything right, there's going to be a little bit of surprise. Also, follow me on Instagram. Follow the show on Instagram for something I plan to do if my phone doesn't die. Um, I love you guys. I'll be seeing you soon. Thank you for sticking around. I love you. So long. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. This has been a production made by your friends at Goldman Entertainment.